0: Yankee fans, welcome back to Fireside Yankees with your boys Alex and Ryan. Today, we're discussing the nine players the Yankees signed to avoid arbitration. Now, obviously, it's rare for players to go to arbitration. Glaber Torres, who wanted 10.2 million, is going to arbitration and going to try and get a little bit more money. The Yankees offered him about 9.57 million, I believe. So the disparity is pretty slim. The margin is pretty slim there. I wonder if he just wants a few extra bucks after, you know, all the rumors regarding his trading. Last year, the trade deadline, obviously, he was a prominent piece in a prospective deal the Yankees were considering. Um, so maybe he's like, you know what? I want every single dollar of what I think I deserve. Totally reasonable. A lot of players do this, um, and it'll likely uh, end up finishing before the hearing anyway. It just as they did with Aaron Judge last year, and I think he went for a $17 million deal. But the nine players the Yankees did sign, pretty solid deals. A couple of them got nice, sizable um, increases in pay, I think justifiably so, Ryan. Before we dive into it, how dude you today, my friend?
1: I'm doing great. You know, I, I think one of the big keys when it comes to arbitration is, you know, remembering it's arbitration, right? You know, I know a lot of people are reading into this as the Yankees uh, don't like Glaber or they're going to be ready to move Glaber. Uh, you know, maybe they do trade Glaber, uh, but I don't think that has anything to do with them taking him to arbitration. You file for a number, they file for a number, uh, and you try to meet there. If you can't, you go to arbitration. Um, It's part of the process. It's part of the business. It's an unfortunate, ugly side of business because you're basically going to arbitration as if you're Glaber Torres to uh, get told why you don't deserve uh, money and why you're not that good of a baseball player, uh, which... It can be rough to hear, but again, it's the business side of baseball. I I actually, I mean, I'm pretty sure Judge last year, as you mentioned, you know, I'm pretty sure they went to arbitration with him and they settled before out of court. Uh, so hopefully that's the situation that it is here. Quite frankly, I don't think that... Uh, we should be reading into it too much. Uh, the only real the only real thing you're getting from arbitration is just fi- final payroll numbers. We'll finally get to kind of get a good estimate as to what the Yankees' payroll will look like next year. Um, and that's important for thresholds, seeing, you know, how important it is for the Yankees to uh, move off of certain guys. Uh, you know, ultimately, I don't really think the Yankees are doing anything like I don't think there's anything that stands out here as like a bad overpay um you know the the most expensive uh arbitration deals they reached uh last yesterday specifically was Holmes at 3.3 million I believe or no it was Wandy at 3.35 million um that's kind of the, the candidate to expect it to be uh Wandy's an arbitration three guy you know I year 3 arbitration guys are going to get more money than the year 2 or year 1 guys. Uh Michael King, Herman, Lewis, I mean these are all kind of where uh people had them estimated. Um uh, Nestor Cortez getting 3.2 million in his first year of arbitration is Pretty impressive considering, again, you know, Holmes has got Holmes got three point three, I believe, in his second year. Um, you know, Wani Peralta in his third year, 3.5, three point five, three or five million. Herman is a little farther ahead in arbitration than Cortez is. It has two point six million. So, uh, you know, the Yankees believe in Cortez. And I think, you know, that that at least bode, that's something that at least bodes well for his confidence. And you, you feel good for him, too. You know, turning a 36th round pick into three point two million dollars guaranteed next year is a pretty good parlay for their, for Cortez. Absolutely. And Cortez even went online um, and showed his
0: appreciation. It's a special day for my family and me, especially my parents. Sacrificed so much for the American dream. Always put me ahead of their needs for everyone. Keep grinding and stay hungry, this is the start, no matter what comes next. So a nice message from Nestor Cortez, obviously a fan favorite, obviously one of our favorites on the podcast. everyone listening, if you hate or do not like Nestor Cortez for any reason, I'd love to hear why because the guy is so easy to like and he's just such a fun player to watch. So I think if there was anyone that deserved that major increase in pay, it was him um he deserved it, and, and ultimately, you know this is a guy who we're really excited to see. Uh, what uh, he can do in, in uh, I guess, his third season with the Yankees consecutively. You know, it was it the Yankees a long time ago, then went to Seattle, then back to the Yankees, um, and he's been really, really good here ever since. Montas got a nice increase, too. I think he was at like three-point-something last year. Now he's at 7.5 million, 30 years old. Obviously, he's on a one-year deal um, <clears throat> until he hits free agency. So Montas coming off kind of a polarizing 2022 season where he was really good with the act with the athletics 3.18 era and they had a 635 era with the yankees the injury the shoulder issue i think definitely messed with his fundamentals a little bit but otherwise i thought he was a pretty you know strong player um before he joined the bombers and, and i think he's gonna bounce back and ryan you're a big proponent of montas and that singer slider combination so he should bounce back pretty nicely jose trevino as you mentioned 2.36 million um career high num- 91 wrc plus last season and um, You know, offensively, he was pretty solid at a career-high 11 homers. We don't expect him to replicate all of those offensive metrics, but defensively, he's a star. He's a gold-glove level guy. Obviously, you love that. Domingo Herman, you also talked about, you know, all of, kind of the, the money aspect, the financial aspect of all these players. $2.6 I think Herman's going to have a very sneaky, important role, along with Clark Schmidt mitigating fatigue down the stretch. You're looking at a couple of our starting rotation guys, including Luis Severino, Cortez, Montas, um, and Carlos Rodon that all are going to need to be workload managed you know guys like Schmidt guys like Herman those are the ones that step in and help supplement fatigue and supplement injury because of those workload limitations due to injuries from the past um, I'll ask you this Ryan 2.6 million for Domingo Herman do you still think he might be a trade piece do you think you know we can serve a nice role on the back end of this rotation just helping to give everybody more rest
1: yeah, so uh based off of uh you know just the 2.6 billion is it going to be something that the Yankees are like, "Damn, we have to move this." Like this isn't like, like I think Isaiah Kindlerfluff of makes enough that him getting traded is something that has uh some serious tax implications down the road at the deadline. Maybe Herman getting traded has this, has some sort of uh, you know, tax implications down the road, but I don't think it's to the same extent. Uh, the way I view it is the Yankees should move Herman if they can't give him a roster spot. The big que- the big question I think the Yankees are going to have coming into the 2023 season is, you know, who's, the fu- who's getting the final spots in that bullpen? Michael King, I know we uh, talked about this uh, in some articles, and I- I'm not sure if we did a video on it, but I know that Michael King may not be ready for opening day. Uh, so that could be a, a situation where you're going to open up a roster spot, but how long is that roster spot going to be open for, right? Uh, how long is it going to take for Michael King to come back? Because he could miss opening day and be back by May, right? and so you know you're gonna have a question between you know Albert Abreu, Domingo Herman you know those two guys don't have options so you have to pick there Clark Schmidt has options but if he's pitching well do you really want to send him down right to keep up two guys who may not be pitching as well as him um I will say the stuff upside for Herman isn't the same as Clark Schmidt uh, and I'm speaking strictly on the field you know I know the off the field baggage that comes with Herman uh, but I I, I do want to stick to just on the field because that's what they're gonna use for arbitration um Herman is one of those pitches where he's bang on average. He's very league average. And I'm not sure how long league average can last in a pitching staff this deep. Uh, The Yankees' final payroll number is estimated by Fangraphs to be $272 million. Uh, So... I mean, if they traded Hermon, I believe they get they could get under two seventy., uh, they're under two seventy three right now, if I'm not mistaken. They could push it even further underneath if they wanted to by trading ikf. Uh, if they move IKF, there's no really there's no real reason to move Hermon at that point for for luxury tax implications because you're at two sixty six, you're uh, seven million dollars underneath two seventy three. at the deadline, there's rarely a situation where you're trading for a player making fourteen million dollars for the entire year., uh, so uh, quite frankly, I think they keep him if they can guarantee him a roster spot, but if they have a roster crunch and it comes down to it, you know, maybe for an outfielder, we've heard about Max Kepler. Maybe Herman's in a deal for a Max Kepler, but we'll have to wait and see because Minnesota could also trade for a starter and kind of make Herman obsolete for that rotation. It's it's up to who's willing to take him and what the Yankees can get back and ultimately can the Yankees give him a roster spot.
0: Yeah, that's that's a big one. And you know, Clark Schmidt obviously plays a pretty big role in determining if Herman is expendable or not, because if you see Schmidt as a starting level guy, um he's gonna be super important this year like I think Schmidt might be one of those guys that you can't trade both Schmidt and Herman. it's got to be one or the other but I still think that having both of those guys is a major benefit because Schmidt can easily be a pretty like solid leverage bullpen arm until they need him to serve a starting role and that will really keep his innings down and really allow him to just get action get reps until they need him in a more in a different role and I, and I think that's really what um, he offers this team because Herman is more of a starter. I don't really trust Herman coming out of the bullpen like that. So, you know, when you're looking at the difference between those two guys, Schmidt does have that kind of double trouble uh, value, whereas Herman is simply. A straight up um, you know, kind of starting pitcher on the back end that, that it, it's difficult to kind of justify him being served as a bullpen piece, which makes him more expendable, I guess you could say. So 2.6 million is not crazy. That's basically how much Miguel Castro made last year. I think he made 2.2, something around there. So not a bad uh, you know, security, not a bad security at the back end of the rotation with Herman, but Higashioka, you know. Good backup for Jose Trevino. Decent price tag at $1.46 million, Nothing crazy. He's good enough until Austin Wells climbs the system. Hopefully he can reach the MLB and maybe take over a more offensive role at the catcher position. Michael King, 20 years old, $1.3 million deal. That's absolutely fantastic coming off the injury. They managed to keep that lower, which was great. So definitely excited to get him back. Jonathan Loisica at $2.26 million is awesome. I think Loisica could be one of the best bullpen arms in baseball this year. When the guy is healthy and in rhythm, he's you can't touch him, um, Ryan, when you're looking at the price stack for for uh, Johnny Lowe, I imagine you're probably pretty happy with that because he he has the capacity to be one of the best.
1: Absolutely, you know, Jonathan LeWise, I think, is you know a top twenty to twenty-five reliever in the game. Uh if you look at just what he's able to do in terms of contact management, last year he really only had his sinker and change up. His breaking ball, the feel of his breaking ball wasn't really there for him. Uh, and he was still absolutely nasty, right? Like the Yankees, what they do very well, and kind of the the you know, the formula for the Yankees going forward is to accumulate a bunch of pitchers who just like they just have gross stuff, right? You just care about them having gross stuff, they'll they'll figure it out in the bullpen. Look at Greg weiser right? Like a lot of people look at Greg weiser and say, Man, the command isn't there. Like I, I don't know Know if he's gonna make it and you're but you're like dude his slider moves 20 inches who cares <laughs> you know who cares if he knows where it's going man it moves 20 inches yeah a slide that moves 20 inches is a slider that moves 20 inches uh look at the a sinker man like i don't i i quite frankly he could just throw the sinker 100 percent of the time I, I don't care like he could he would he would get he would still put an era under three right we we saw that he was just dominating guys all postseason in the second half and he wasn't even striking dudes out like he's he's gross man and, and I know you mentioned Michael King as well Michael King's freaking nasty dude you know like these are just these the Yankees just have a, a pen of just absolutely gross filthy relievers uh that like every single time you see them pitch they're I, I don't know if you know pitching ninja uh on Twitter he's gonna be posting their highlights like every time they freaking pitch man like I, I don't we've come a long way with pitching you know no more you know hey we have like Nine million dollars to Ottavino, thirteen million to Britain, sixteen million to Chapman. You know, like none of that anymore. No, uh, the Yankees. You know, the Yankees will develop guys who have insane uh, pitch pitch data, insane pitch metrics, and, and they'll come out of nowhere, and you won't even he- you won't even hear of them until s- the day they get called up, and they'll just either throw gas or they'll throw from a weird arm angle or they'll just throw something that moves so much that it it doesn't look human. Uh, and and Loayza has got all of that. He's got the blistering velocity. The dude can hit like one hundred and one, one hundred and two. Uh, his sinker doesn't look like it should move that much. I know Alex Bregman talked about the late break, like it feels like it's moving two feet uh, from the second from when you see it to when it gets to the plate. So uh, the Yankees the Yankees kept their bullpen low cost this year, and they're going to keep doing that going forward. Um, the only fusion I think they have in this bullpen that's notable is Juan Peralta, uh, which is. Uh, a little bit concerning for the Yankee bullpen because Peralta is one of the biggest pieces to this team. But ultimately, you know that they 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 are able to keep their bullpen cheap and keep their bullpen cost controlled and for and keep that core together for a pretty long time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that bullpen, you know, coming in at a pretty reasonable price tag is is exactly where we want to be. It was the only option because the Yankees had to spend so much elsewhere. Um, but yeah, like, you know, other guys include Wandy Peralta, you mentioned 3.55 million in the fourth year of arbitration. He's probably our best lefty bullpen piece. Um, and one of our more underappreciated players for that matter. Clay Holmes, obviously, you know, a prominent uh, bullpen piece, uh, you know, cemented as that starting closer. Uh, for this upcoming season, 3.3 million settled before arbitration. So, you know, they managed to get a lot of these guys on solid deals and paid them their worth, and you know, gave some of them reasonable extensions. Um, in terms of Nestor Cortez at 3.2 million, is is I think a nice thing to do because he was so good. He went from 750k to 3.2 million, so I think the Yankees did right by him. Um, obviously, he was very appreciative of that, and I think that he's going to put together another really good season for this team because he's just such a unique pitcher. You, you really, if you're if you're an opposing hitter, it's not like you can see the same pitch couple times and then get you get the best of him every time he pitches to you it's a different arm angle it's a different uh setup it's a different uh like kind of wind up everything about his fundamentals is randomized and I think that's the beautiful thing about the way he pitches usually players take him deep usually players take advantage of him once he's he's gassed a little bit once his velocity dips once it's clear that fatigue is catching up and that uh, ultimately that's kind of where he his his shortcomings uh, fall but You know, at the end of the day, Nestor Cortez is such an exciting uh, young player and and at such a a cheap price point, it's just tremendous to have him as one of our top dogs in that starting rotation. But guys, this wraps up the episode of talking about nine players the Yankees signed to avoid arbitration. I still have to figure out Jimmy Cordero and, of course, Glaber Torres. So we'll get you guys more information on that as it develops. As always, have a fantastic rest of your day. Like, subscribe as always, and we'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Yankees episode.